This is Sam Calagione, founder and CEO of Dogfish Head Brewery, and you are listening to At The Bar Podcast. Cheers. Why would we prepare? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, man. Welcome to another episode of At The Bar Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike, and joining me today is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jeff A. El Jefe. El Jefe, yeah. Uh, I want to come up with a list of intros and just keep rotating them. Just rattle them off. Yeah, yeah, for you. Back to back to back to back. All the ones that we've ever used. Yeah. (laughs) So I heard you were trying to use a little... uh, embarrassing um snapchat story of me yeah yeah man i wanted to do it so i saw it i said i gotta i gotta get them like a little like eight second thing of of you know putting the, the song over <laughs> with you singing i want to do it so bad i think it did it pretty good personally but uh somebody ruined it by reading the text out loud <laughs> yes yeah that that was what happened oh uh, you go ahead jeff tell them Tell the audience what I, was, I try to get you on. Cassie uh, recorded me singing um, Aladdin's Whole New World, the girl part, in uh, in a matching high voice. A, a tone, a perfect tone, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on. Spot on. Sounded just like Jasmine. Yeah, and I and I wanted to get the video to intro the show with it, but she read my text out loud and ruined the surprise. <laughs> So, oh well. Uh, you, oh well. Opportunity I, missed. Yeah, as you guys I'm heard, sure I will present more. Yeah, as you guys heard, it did not get edited in the show because I don't mm-hmm. have it. Anyway, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on here. Going right into topic number one, guys. If you want to submit any topic ideas or, or discussion suggestions to us to talk about on the show, feel free to drop them on our Facebook and or, and or Instagram pages or on our website on the very bottom of the front page. There's a leave a there's a comment box that you guys can goes directly to our email that you guys can leave if you want to be anonymous which is cool well leave anonymous suggestions tips anything for us to talk about if you want if you want to talk shit to us anything you wouldn't mind being read on the show uh, go on to our website at thebarpockets.com scroll to the bottom there is a comment box fill it out and it will be emailed to us and we will read it on the show just like this one everybody. So this one got uh, dropped off message to us through our website at thebarpodcast.com, like I just said. And pretty much I'm going to summarize the message. Uh, it's a little tangent, but it's okay. Uh, pretty much our listener said uh, they're tired of old-timey fucking brewers complaining about today's beer trends and how they are killing the industry. Mm-hmm. And by person, I mean it's Preston from Bay Row Brewing. <laughs> Hey, Preston. What's up, buddy? Uh, he messaged me on Facebook, and it was like, dude, you need to cue this for the, your next episode. He's, uh, he's I been tired things. of it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's finally tired of it. Uh, so he's tired of the old Tommy Brewers complaining about current crappier trends and how they are killing the industry. Um, we won't name who he's referring to for obvious reasons, but um, in my experience, there's been you know a, a big discussion from really uh, hardcore traditionalists about how the milkshake IPAs and pastry stouts, the the very heavily fruited Berliners, the cupcake this and the uh, key lime pie that are ruining what beer is. 
ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's uh yeah, it's uh <laughs> blasphemy. Blasphemy. That's just ridiculous. Um so I mean I this is this is kind of floats around the, the Twitterverse a little bit when things are out of control with with these crazy collabs and, and whatnot. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hand over to you, Jeff, and, and kind of get us started on kind of how when I read this to you, how your first uh, impressions on the on what Preston acts as to talk about. Okay, well I'm weird. Okay, because I kind of see both sides of it and kind of agree with both sides of it. However, we didn't go through and say what we're drinking tonight, but I'm drinking a I'm wonderful <laughs> gift from a friend of mine. Might be <gasps> might be hosting the show with me right now. Oh um, yeah, the Angry Chair Imperial German Cupcake Stout, which is phenomenal by the way is also and gone <laughs> and, and well cassie had like one whole sip so oh that's, you know. that's okay yeah well, that's a pretty I'm big drinking, sip for that fmp bottle <laughs> i'm also drinking it out of a very fancy wine glass whoa because i'll be bitching it all our glasses are packed up for the move so i found Yay! this found this little wine glass and that's what there i'm drinking go. out of but um this is one of the beers that would be, you know, quote unquote, killing the craft beer market because of its non-traditional roots or whatever you would, you know, whatever these people are complaining about. This is every bit a quote unquote gimmicky dessert stout, crazy imperial stout with added flavors and things like that. Well, you know, I see the traditionalists looking at this and saying, well, it's cheating. It's not traditional beer. I get that. I also get that Angry Chair is one of the top breweries in the state of Florida, and they do a lot of things just like this. So I'm going to argue that they're not killing craft beer. They're fueling the movement. Um, beers like this are what people are getting into craft beer for or because of. Gimmicky beers get people hooked, and then they adjust to get to the more traditional stuff down the road, in my opinion. I mean, I know for me and you, both of us started on something that was relatively gimmicky. I drank a, a blueberry wheat beer was my first craft beer. Um, you know, I, that's not, we're not talking about something that's like a, a very traditional Marzen. And I was like, wow, this Marzen blew me away. Now you drink, you know, now, like we talk about all the time, um, breweries that make true to style beers we love, but yeah, I mean, you have to, uh, you have to attain some kind of knowledge or, or base of, uh, you know, beer knowledge to, to really appreciate that. So yeah um i i don't think i i I mean can you really can you really fight the movement that's bringing you most of your customers yeah now i mean it's there's a point to be said with with what you said too because you know we covered on the show my very first crap year was a also a blueberry wheat um from florida avenue which is now i believe brew bus or some version of brew bus they're out of tampa so that was my very first craft beer and i do agree with everything you're saying uh you know there's there's a gimmickiness and yeah, there's, you know, tasting liquid German chocolate cupcake is pretty good or drinking a liquid key lime pie is very good. And, but it is fueling uh, the craft beer industry because you're getting people who only drink wine, who only drink spirits, an approachable option for beer. And then from there, their palate can develop into more traditional styles, more true to book styles based off the dessert or the, the haze or or whatever that case is to where you know breweries who do traditional should in a way rely on the gimmick stuff to be like hey you know you like this key lime pie beer well here's my pilsner with key lime and that's how they can bridge um those kind of people who like gimmick beers like i like gimmick beers and i drink the hell out of them but to to bridge those people will 
you know you have to go into the gimmick because that's what sells that's what the market wants you if you want to stay in business you have to cater to your audience not what you believe is correct or you want to believe is correct well right and yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry continue no you go oh, you oh and then you know and, and this is where you know everyone kind kind of has to realize that what do you why are you in this industry are you in it to make money you are you in it to brew what you want what are you looking to get out of it as a brewery owner or a brewer and if you're looking to only brew what you like then you have to kind of fall in line and understand that my business may be hindered because i want to brew only ipas or only red ales or whatever the case is to where if that's not in then your business is going to suffer so what are you going to do about it are you just going to keep quote unquote making that mistake and being stubborn or are you going to be like I should bend a little bit, maybe not go full blown gimmick, but I have to do something to bring people in so I can pay my bills. And that's where the ultimate question I believe is, is how far are you willing to go to stay in business in a very highly competitive market that is still growing and still you're having problems on distribution. You're still having all the shelf turns and everything. What are you going to do? You know, so go ahead with what you're going to say. Um, I'm kind of on the exact same wavelength as you a little bit. It's one of those things where there's obviously a split in the market and now you've got two different ways you can go. If you're a traditionalist, more power to you. Be a traditionalist and understand that there's going to be a portion of the market that likes what you do. And then there's going to be a portion of the market that likes what the other guy's doing. And the other guy's doing something that maybe gives them an opportunity to stand apart. For instance, in wine. Wine has largely gone unchanged for, you know, a billion years, not a billion, but you know what I mean? Like forever. It's got, it's, it's got its varietals. They, you know, people still drink Cabernet the same way they drank a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. So your only option within the wine industry to stand out is to do it better. The same style, do it better than your opponents with craft beer. You have the opportunity to innovate and do something different. So for them, they get the chance to kind of stand out more. If you don't want that, then continue doing traditional styles. Be the guy who makes the best Cabernet or, you know, the best stout or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Be that guy. That's fine. But understand that there is a portion of the market that does not care. But there's also a portion of the market who does. And if you're on the, if you feel like you're on the more boring side or the more traditional side and that offends you in some way because the guys who are doing these crazy things seem like they're having more fun. Well, then change what you're doing or don't, but you made that decision. You know, that's your business. If you want to take your business and do what they're doing, then do it. And if you don't, that's your decision not to, but either way you can't get mad at them for doing it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and in a way that there's this, there's this app that a lot of people use It's called untapped and I fucking, personally hate untapped because for reasons we might cover in the later episode when i got my soapbox about how i hate untapped but untapped for a business owner or a you know bar owner brewery owner whatever is a boatload of information a boatload as long as you're able to handle criticism you can get a lot of information and factual information off untapped so i use untapped at my job to not only see what people are saying but to see what everyone's drinking around me statewide, what breweries are hitting it better than others and what styles are really in. Right. So I'm on untapped right now. I have it pulled up on my phone, uh, Pilsner Urkel, which is in my opinion, a world class Pilsner. That's yeah, the Quin- the quintessential Pilsner. That is a Pilsner. All other Pilsners want to be right. In my opinion, 
send your hate to at the bar podcast, please. But this is, and this is what we learned in, in beer school at Wob and, and all through all the, the beer books that we've read is Pilsner Urkel is OG, the one everyone wants to be. There's 231,000 ratings on Untapped. The average score 3.35 out of 10 or out of five. I'm sorry. That is a terrible rating. Yeah. So what that means to me is this specific Pilsner that is supposed to be whatever it is. The, it started what check Pilsners are, are is not highly rated on untapped, but if you go to any Hayes beer, pastry stout, heavily fruited Berliner, chances are 95% of the time it's above a four, right? And look up more up, more lagers, look up lagers, look up other pilsers, look up and compare them to what gimmick beers are now. And the ratings are black and white different. The gimmick is in. Mm-hmm. And the classic styles just do not get the love they deserve. And it's it's it just speaks volume to well, where the consumers are right now. They but they have the longevity, they have the staying power. They're not going anywhere. The traditionalists are always going to be traditionalists. There's always going to be traditionalists, and they're going to be there drinking Pilsners. Um, A Pilsner in itself is designed to not be an unexciting style. It's not supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be drinkable. Um, Drinking, yes. So it doesn't surprise me that it has a low score on Untapped because Untapped is largely filled with uh, a younger demographic of craft beer drinkers, a social media generation who is looking for exciting beers to post to their friends who are reading it for whatever reason that you need to know what your friend in, in a different state is drinking. But, um, but it's, it's an unexciting style and unexciting beer. So it's going to have unexciting scores just because it's a social media generation that runs that, um, yep. you know, and that's, we're always looking for big and exciting to post on, on inner on the internet. So everybody else can compare their lives to ours. <laughs> so I, I mean yeah you're right there, so there's, there's, uh, yeah you know when you post something like imperial german chocolate cupcake stout any beer drinker that's around that looks at your untapped goes holy shit that sounds amazing you post pilsner or Kel, who who is literally i mean you you love like you said you I like that it. beer if oh, i yeah, posted I just had pilsner or Kel down at whatever restaurant in west palm would you be like oh nice or you'd be like what the fuck <laughs> i'd be like oh nice <laughs> nice i mean <laughs> no, it's not it's it is a great beer and it's true to style but it's not it's non-exciting it's not exciting by design i mean that's what it's meant to be so yeah good job but understand that if you are making unexciting beers not not unexciting beers, if you're making unexciting styles perfectly well you can't get upset that people are unexcited you know what I mean? Like, 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 do you think Bud Light's like, man, I can't believe everybody's not giving us five star ratings on Untapped? Yeah. Let, uh, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no, we make the most drinkable beer in the world, though. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's one of the best beers in the world. Anyway, sh- shut up. I mean, even, <laughs> even with unexciting beer, like, you know, you said styles by, I would say even beer too. You know, like, we kind of bring up, you know, Belgians, right? We love Barrel of Monks. And the reason why I like Barrel Monks is because they take a traditional style Belgian 
and they add a tw- an exciting twist to it, which gets me excited and makes me want to have their be mine their chocolate cherry uh, Belgian quad for Valentine's Day. Yeah, compared to just a regular Belgian quad, which isn't exciting, too. You know, there's also that thing about too is you can brew pilsers even though they're not exciting per se, but if you do a key lime pie pilsner or a even just a mango pilsner that's still exciting you're still going to draw a crowd because it's it's a different take on a traditionally boring flavored beer for people you Mm -hmm. know now so i mean gimmicks are in i mean it's 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 what makes the door stay open right like people line up to get bottles of the gimmick shit and not uh, you know, a Mexican lager or your lager. So, you know, it, and you, you're, if you feel that way, you're, you're kind of behind the curve, uh, you know, business wise, if you're not into the, the gimmick or doing the treatments, like you're, you're behind and the trains going to keep going and you're just eventually getting left behind. Yeah. As the bubble starts start, starting to deflate, you know, you're getting left behind. There's too much out there. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I can say is actually that it's kind of like a spinoff topic on this is like, I, I'm very surprised that like styles, traditional styles haven't started weeding each other out more. Like I'm a little surprised that the, the traditional Pilsner still has a place and that's not me bashing Pilsners or saying that they suck, but the Pilsner, a pale lager, uh, even like some pale ales, and Kolsch's all basically serve the same purpose. Then you also add in like Belgian styles, like white wheats, or you add in, um, you know, some other just like super light styles of beer that you can drink. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like drink on the boat or beach beers or whatever. Sure. Berliner, yeah. Berliners, wheat, even wheat like, beers, wheat beers, yeah. all those. So you have all these styles that are designed. Saison's are designed just like to be purely drinkable. Well, like I'm not saying that, there's a hierarchy on which one's better or not, but I'm saying that there's more exciting and less exciting within that subgroup of, of styles. And I'm surprised that like Kolsch's, which in my opinion are of those very light drinkable beers are the best style of those. Like I'm surprised there's not more of those and less Pilsners, but you know, that's, that's the only thing where I'm like, if you want to get into an argument about traditionalists being upset about what's killing beer, I'm just surprised that styles haven't started eating each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Kolsch's. Kolsch's are they don't awesome. get enough love. Yeah, shout out to Kolsch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's a good point. I mean, saisons can be so different in, in terms of the flavor that can be added, right? Saisons uh, can be like super sour or like super just light and tart, crisp. super yeah. funky. Like they can be anything. I'm surprised they're not bigger, mm-hmm. uh, personally. But I think a lot of those those beers that are still around are done so poorly that the good ones can stick. Yeah. And, and still, you know, be good. I mean, there's so many fucking bad beers out there. That's like, you know, they're a competition amongst each other. But like once a brewery hits one out of the park, it they kind of can do whatever they want with that. Right. You know, so, you know, there there's always a place. It may not be, you know, the craziest thing. But like, you know, traditional beer is is it has been around forever. And it's going to stay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still going to be around. It's just not what's hot. Yeah, it's not on MTV's top ten. Yeah, you know what? You just said <laughs> something, and I, I, I just it just sparked a thought in my head, and I'd be upset if I didn't say it. So, and then we'll go on to the next topic yeah, after that. Ahead. But these to make uh, to make it with traditional beers and keep brewing them exactly perfectly, 
what do you what do you think you have to have five five core beers that you make perfectly for people to go and say man like they do good job with their traditional styles like yeah, five beers so, right yeah, yeah five. like if you were a brewery and you knock it out of the park with one one amazing gimmick beer for instance the first one angry chair did this one right here mm -hmm. the one that really they cut their teeth on the imperial german chocolate cupcakes out the one uh like maple bacon coffee porter that funky buddha cut their teeth on yeah, like yeah. that one right there that one gimmick beer that they made they took a shot on and they fucking made a killer beer that can carry a brewery that reputation alone can carry a brewery and they don't need the five core beers that absolutely murder it they don't need the five perfect core beers that slowly but surely get people excited in what they're doing they get the one gimmick beer that all of a sudden boosts boosts the ratings of every other one of their beers just because they get fanboys i mean yeah you can see that with uh wraps chocolate peanut butter man i mean that beer alone made me drive all the way out there and it did and then when i got the out there. then when i got out there i was impressed with their traditional styles yes yeah that's a great example or even cycle with their stouts right yeah they, they came up with a good stout recipe and that's pretty much the same recipe and you know what, oh, and you know what? yeah and you know what's funny about cycle i was just gonna say they came up with one good recipe they've used it in five different or seven different or ten different variants yeah, of whatever way possible yep and and the rest of their beers are pretty average yep. sorry if cycle sorry about the cycle lovers who definitely listen to the show i'm not calling them out or saying anything because what they do with their with their stouts is phenomenal they make great yep. stouts those those limited release things are great but the rest of their beers i've been there three times I, i've had their their normal drafts on on tap uh they're they're okay you know yep. i mean you're going there and you're but you're going there because of their reputation because of what they created with their gimmick beer you go there because their reputation and their hype is so high and you get out there and you're already setting yourself up to be disappointed yep. but yes. it doesn't matter because they're still one of the top breweries in the state because they had they took one shot on one crazy stout and it turned into a series of five stouts that they released and and then you know and like that's that's it i mean yeah, that's I all mean, that's the recipe and can you hate them for that can you are you really saying they're killing beer like come no, on yeah they're not i mean even with hidden springs in tampa like they they i remember when they first opened and they kind of did a little bit of everything and now their burlers have been in such demand that every single burlers they do is a gimmick like key lime pie pineapple upside down cake lemon lime gatorade like they have to they've done so well with a gimmick style that that's what the customers customers want and demand every time and hidden springs when i was there uh saturday was packed dude packed and everyone was drinking the lemon lime brondo gatorade everyone was drinking the pineapple upside down berliner i bought a four pack of overpriced berliner because other people wanted it at my job it's it's it works it puts yep. people in your tap room and let the gimmick on next our new shirt gimmick on <laughs> keep on gimmicking uh, we'll figure I'm something buying out it as long as it's good as long as it's good i'll buy whatever the fuck i don't care oh hell yeah i'm in i'm in speaking of that berliner that you're talking about that'll be my next beverage oh the other uh, one i gave you mm -hmm. you might want to mm -hmm. uh, take a swig of water you're i going have water from, uh, okay i got going water. from uh i would have went the other way but cassie old... was cassie wanted before she went to bed so i opened this yeah, one first, hey, but hey i don't blame her <laughs> yeah the <laughs> things you do for love you know amazing. yeah man 
So uh, what do you think of German chocolate? Uh, it's absolutely incredible. This isn't the first time I've had it, but it is okay. just so fucking good every time. And the funny thing is I don't eat chocolate. Mm, Not a chocolate guy. Love chocolate beer, though. But this yep. is, um, in my opinion, like this is as as hyped as I got. It has a little bit less like complexity to it than like the Love Below did that year. That which actually I've had it since, and I'm not as high on it anymore as I used to be. Dude, but, did you have this year's? Yeah, dude, yeah, it's uh, stellar. So yeah, it's, good. It's no, it's still it's still probably my favorite oh, beer. My it's still probably my favorite beer in the state of Florida. But that first time I had it was like mad, just blown away by it. I think it's like one of the only. I think I've given two fives on Untapped ever, and one it's one of them's Love Below. Um. Angry Chair German Chocolate Cupcake Stout to me is like right up there in that same tier. It's like amazing, just amazing, delicious, you know, uh, dessert stout. But it's it just has a, it's one dimensional uh, as far as flavor goes. But it's so mm -hmm. it has a lot of different layers as far as, you know, like body, uh, body, the way the flavor hits you, the finish, the it, there's no head retention at all. It's basically just drinking like like Oil. water. <laughs> it's like oil, <laughs> but it, it is it is a very uh, very very good beer. I love this beer every time I get a chance to try it. And any of the Angry Chair uh, high you know high body stuff, I, I really yeah, like that that thickness. Yeah, I mean that that beer is stellar. You know, uh, I can't wait to crack open the bottle I have of that and uh, have a good night in. Hey, um, <laughs> so moving forward here, uh, so. We're gonna switch things up a little bit, and we're uh, we're gonna reference uh, another popular, excuse me, craft beer website. Uh, it's called thefullpint.com, and they're they're a pretty big uh, beer news outlet. But what I use them for, what I like to read personally, is is their opinion pieces from their different writers. And this one is from uh, the December twenty first of last year, but it's, uh, it's twenty nineteen craft beer predictions. Uh, and I guess the writer is Dan uh not that that matters um but he he they jotted down a bunch of predictions that we're gonna go through right now and we're gonna kind of do a a buy or sell and 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 our opinions on what we feel is is uh an accurate correct prediction or what we feel they might be a little bit off and and our uh opinions on why so the first prediction for 2019 by the full pint small brewery will get stung by ip law infringement for people who are not familiar, IP is intellectual property. And what that means is if you own something, if a brewery puts Mickey Mouse on their can art, Disney can sue them because oh, Disney yeah. owns the intellectual property to Mickey, to Mickey Mouse, Marvel, and all the all these big brands. So the, the growing problem with the craft beer industry, one of the biggest growing problems is breweries ripping off bigger more popular brands to put on their can art and the picture on the article if jeff has it pulled up on his phone i sure do picture is the the lakers logo with talent across the oakland a's logo for altamont beer works they put and a this, windmill on it though so it's totally different yeah totally different but the sheer like there's beers that have the tgi fridays logo there's ones that look like tropic i mean blatant ripoffs oh yeah yeah the Toucan Sam and Captain Crust, uh, yep. Sour Skettles. Yep. You know, even baseball players like Bryce Harper. Yeah. Wait, there's a Harper beer. Where's that at? Uh, not in the picture, but uh, uh, he went to the uh, Phillies. Uh, a Philadelphia brewery put his face 
on a beer. Oh, you I bet you they sure Sue didn't him. ask. Sue. So no, you know uh, what's funny is uh, is actually we I think we got you some of these loggers, the Buffalo Bills loggers made by um, by Southern Tier. Yep, and they definitely use every bit of everything that the Buffalo Bills own on that can. <laughs> so yep, always, uh, I can't, uh, yeah, can't believe it's not butter logo in there. Always sunny Philadelphia Skittles, mm-hmm. Lucky Charms. I mean, the list can go on and on. Um, so Jeff, are you buying or selling? This being a prediction. Uh, this year it's absolutely should be uh, I actually do think so we've seen and we've actually covered instances of, of people taking this up finally uh, we've had we've had a couple instances where copyright infringement has become an issue one of the big ones was when we talked about dogfish head getting mad at a brewery uh, down in the keys yep yep uh, stealing something with their uh, with- they call their amber dogfish dogfish amber, amber correct if yeah, I remember yes. correctly so um so we've covered some of that with breweries doing it to other breweries. I, I would say that like a company, like you were saying, like Disney, I don't think they're going to jump on the bandwagon because the returns are not worth the, the publicity, um, the, you know, the negative publicity around that's them for point. attacking a, a small point. brewery. Yeah, that's um, a good point. So I don't necessarily think it's even worth it for say, uh, you know, uh, AMC to go after breaking bud. Yep. Because AMC would get destroyed by anybody who watches their programming that likes craft beer for going after a small brewery. So I, I think like they're not going to go after Breaking Bud, even though it's a complete ripoff of Breaking Bad and even has the fucking faces on the can. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, uh, same thing. Like, I don't think the big name people, Captain Crunch, like, I don't think Kellogg's is about to uh, is about to start getting into small disputes over copyright infringement with breweries. The problem with it is, and the reason they've been able to get away with it so long, is because craft beer culture is so polarized and so ready to, like, attack. And we, like, are so anti-establishment that, like, they see the social media storm coming before they even think about it like they're like if we go after a small brewery this is going to be all over the social media and all over the news and we're going to get boycotted and all it's like they see it like you have to see it you know what i mean like i can't believe they're attacking a small brewery because they put the captain crunch guy's face on a can oh yeah dude. i think i think what you just gave is a perfect answer like i i get it Hundred percent. I think you you you've exceeded what I would have said. My dumbass would have said. Um, I mean, yeah. If it doesn't happen, that's the reason. And and you everything you just said, which I'm not even going to try repeating everything you just said. Yes, you know, and and I agree with you hundred percent. But my opinion is is should it happen? Oh, absolutely. I also, I also say yes. I mm-hmm. think it should happen. I think it should be talked about. It needs to be a serious discussion on how to do business. You know, like this is this is what they teach you in business school. You know, they have a whole class, you know, on copyright or a whole three chapters on on copywriting and what that entails and and trademarking and everything yeah. the process. And I, that's what I I had that in my in, when I was in college. That I had a whole like month long classes on on everything copywriting, mm-hmm. trademark, all that. So I think it needs to happen. I think. Breweries yep. need to be woken up and have their shit scared to be like, yo, all you guys are doing this wrong. This is why it's wrong. This is how you can fix it. Mm-hmm. Stop stealing our brand identity, our characters, 
our logos, our design, all of it. Come up with it on your own. There's limitless, limitless options of what you can design your cans, name it. Yeah. You're limited to what your creative, your creative capability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Bud Light did it with the brewery in what, Maryland? Like, they had the people walk in all like medieval, like, Dilly, Dilly. And that they was sent them a, they and sent they did a, a great job with that. Yeah. And they gave them a cease and desist. They're like, hey, be cool, bro. Like, we don't want to take this to court. Please just please change your name. And that's yeah. the way to, and that's really the best way to do it is if General Mills or, you know, Marvel said, hey, guys, we've been made aware of this problem. We don't want to be anything. Just, change the name change the logo and this cannot be publicized that's how that gets solved but yeah i think it needs to happen it needs to happen because it's getting out of control it for sure needs to happen but the problem is and not to bash uh you know the the small craft brewer because i I, that's not the point of this show at all and it's not something i believe in either I, i you know i support small craft brewers and small craft breweries because i i really appreciate what this is all about however if there is a if there is a small knock on the small craft brewer, it's that we really love to make ourselves the victim. Um, we always are like, oh, it's it's big beer against us. It's their Anheuser Busch is coming down on us again. Oh, they're buying up small breweries. They're doing this, and every single instance where that happens, it's like immediately victimized. Like post it on our Facebook, post it on our Twitter. Let them know that they came in and did this or whatever, and it's like okay, but you're the one doing something wrong in this instance. So like if, if in the instance and you know, it's going to happen, you'll see it happen. Just watch social media sometime in the next 20, you know, year, you're going to see a brewery post. Wow. We just got shut down by uh so-and-so for using their, using a, a image of theirs. That's copyrighted on our can. What dicks, blah, blah, blah. Hashtag they suck or something. And, <laughs> and then, independent. <laughs> yeah. And then they're going to have, like 200,000 retweets of craft beer people saying, I can't believe that they're coming down on a small independent brewery for that. This is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's not bullshit. They're literally copyright infringing something that is legally protected and legally owned by another person. Right. Like federally that, legal. That's a law that they're breaking yeah. and they're not the victim in getting called out for breaking a law. Right. But they'll play the victim. And that's that's why this hasn't happened yet. And maybe 2019 is the year, but the reason it hasn't happened yet is because big companies don't see the return outweighing what they lose in having a social media controversy surrounding them about attacking a small family-owned brewery. Right. Copyright infringement is a big deal, people. It's a federal law. the The Office of Trademarking and Copyright is a federal, is a government sector, not a state, not a municipality, not a city, a federal sector so it's a big deal it's not made up yeah it's not like a little thing right uh so next point moving on with this one uh, at the same time a brewery will with money will start using retro ip uh the super mario ninja turtle beer labels haven't gone unnoticed by the bigger distributed craft brewers while some random small brewery is going to get popped with a tupac pastry stout a brewery with decent marketing funds will team up with a brand to present a retro labeled beer series yeah uh, I'll buy on that one just because um, retro will most of the time always sell, uh, especially now with the way fashion and clothing is. People want the old looking stuff. I mean, Stranger Things is popular because it's you know an '80s show made in in the new millennia, you know, and and plus it's a great acting and everything else. But people want retro. The retro jerseys for sports, 
sell very well. Retro logos, retro, I think will always be in. And uh, I'll buy on this um, just because it, it'd be cool to, to get, you know, an older logo or, or, or something like that to limited edition. Oh, like Guinness with their pair, their, pel- uh, oh my God, the toucan. Toucan. And the, and, the, and the turtle like that's always cool i'll, mm-hmm. I'll always buy on that uh, i don't think that's a prediction for just just the just this year alone i think that's a solid prediction for every year that there will be some brewery doing a retro labeling retro something uh, along the line just to help boost boost sales i i'd say partial buy i'm halfway in i think nobody's been sued for any of this stuff and nobody's doing it now so why would they pay money to do it in the future if they're not stealing the pac-man logo now um so I don't I, I think retro is cool, like you're saying. Um, I, I think that the themes and the and the color schemes and the things like that are obviously universal. You can use those and apply them to your own thing. Similar to if you haven't noticed our rebranding, which is very Miami Vice retro color yeah. schemes and feel. Um, right. It's always going to be retro is always going to be a thing. It's going to be a marketing ploy. It's going to be a thing that you can do to, to spice your brand up or it gives a little bit of familiarity to your brand, even if it's the first time you've seen it. And that's the reason people like it because um, mm-hmm. they can look at a brand for the first time and feel like they already know the company. So I get that at the same time. I don't see anybody paying big money to use like the Mario face on a can after the IP, uh, you know, um, people start coming down on, on these breweries and start making people pay for copyright infringement and stuff. Once that happens, and like you said, there's limited, limitless possibilities on what you can put on a can. Why would you pay to put Mario's face on a can when you could True. essentially steal the same themes, do the same color schemes, do something similar, but enough different that you're not going to get sued and people will still get the same exact thing out of it. They're still going to get that familiarity, that feel that I know this company, I know this beer without you having to blatantly steal Mario or Luigi. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I half buy, I half buy half buy. All right. Uh, next one, next prediction, prediction, death to death of the all sour house. Uh, all sour houses like Jester King and Rare Barrel, or in Florida we do have. Um, holy shit! I just blanked on them. They're down by you. Um, Oddbreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all and all sour house like Jester King, Rare Barrel, or Oddbreed will be pressured into diversifying into IPA and possibly stop production. I am hardcore selling on this. Yeah, I think sours selling. are. Sours are in. I think all in now sour production facilities uh, are on the up, though their growth might not be as as vast as gimmick breweries. Um, I but I still think their money will be in the green. I think their execution has to be better because they're definitely lim- limiting themselves on sours only. So I think their craft is a lot more. Uh, is I think their craft is better than a brewery who does diversity. Um, I'm, a Cantillon, for example, you know, like they, you have to, you have to be the best at that because that's all you have. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hardcore selling. I think all sour breweries, they may not be a lot, but I don't think they're, they're going to have to diversify their menu anytime soon. I think their growth, their sales will continue to rise. Maybe just not at a pace as breweries who do, to do diversified, uh, brews. Agreed. 
a hundred percent. I am hardcore selling as well. Uh, one, you don't want to brew those other styles in the same brewery that you're brewing all sours in. There's a lot of room for contamination and making a sour IPA by accident and things like that. You have a lot of different yeast strands and, and uh, things going on in a sour brewery that you don't want to put into other styles of beer. So uh, for that reason, I think that, that they're not going to want to just easily be like, oh, yeah, let's just start brewing an IPA in our brewery where we have all these sour sours going. Um, the other thing is, like you said, sours are not on the fall. This isn't a dying mm-hmm. style. This is a style that's growing in popularity. They're being done increasingly better. Um, more and more people are doing them with added fruit flavors or added uh, putting spins on them. I, I, I don't see this going anywhere. This is going to be for a while. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to go anywhere eventually down the road, but for a prediction for 2019, um, that's pretty short-sighted. I think if you're talking about 2030, yeah, maybe the all sour brewery doesn't exist. Um, but like 2019 there, this is a segment of the market that I feel is rising, uh, in popularity. These are beers that are being done increasingly better. I don't see them going anywhere. Um, going to all sour breweries is an experience that's unique and different and people want unique and different. So I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. Yep. Agreed. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Canarchy marches on. Canarchy uh, uh, is pretty much the uh, group that Oscar Blues shares um, their 12 packs. So Canarchy consists of Oscar Blues, Cigar City, Parent, and a bunch of other breweries. And the, uh, the full pint article says Canarchy uh, was on a tear strategically, pushing Cigar City products all over the map planning their feet in Los Angeles, California with the induction of three Weavers Brewing. Uh, the prediction says Canarchy adds a Pacific Northwest brewery to their family. There's already built-in synergy from Oscar Blues' outdoor lifestyle theme. One brewery that looks like a good fit would be Fremont Brewing as they have a ramped as they have ramped up their canning production within the last two years. So, <clears throat> my opinion is, uh, is Cigar City is definitely expanding to all over the United States, which is great for them. Cigar City represents uh, Florida well, considering, um, especially with people who haven't had Cigar City. Getting them in California is a big deal for them, and that just hypes up and gets the Florida beer map, beer market uh, more domestically. But in terms of is Canarchy going to keep rising, I don't think so. I think the variety packs from different breweries is actually a bad idea. Um, I, I don't mix 12 packs or 18 packs from one brewery is a cool idea, but getting a mixed 12 pack, four beers from three different breweries, I don't think it's a good idea, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, if sales show sales show, but I'm selling Canarchy growing to being a, like a massive hit um, to, in terms of sales throughout the country. Um, so, I'm curious to see how this how this expands um, to to the market, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the whole canarchy with Oscar Blues, Parent, and Cigar City mixed twelve packs. I am selling on that. Yeah, um, I don't really. I'm unfamiliar with canarchy to be honest with you. I did not know this was a thing until literally you were just talking about it. Um, I, I'm I'm selling as well. Uh, well. I'm selling because I don't like the way it's being done. Uh, I think the idea is actually sound. Um, but 
I, don't I like know. the I, idea of Cigar City expanding to other parts of the country, and it's getting they're getting different beers that weren't available. They're now available. I'm buying sure. that part, but the the variety pack of different breweries, I I am not buying that. And that's See, what I'm, Anarchy does. I'm kind of buying that. I'm buying that because of the craft beer culture being what it is, the non-competitive support your neighbor kind of thing where you can partner with quote unquote like-minded brewers, which I just had to literally Google what Canarchy was to find out what it actually is. And it says like-minded brewers and a distributive collective of like-minded people dedicated to bringing high quality, innovative flavors to drinkers in the name of independent craft beer. That's the de- That's the definition. Mm-hmm. Um, I buy on that. I think that bringing similarly made, similar style, similar whatever beers makes sense. For instance, it makes really good sense for Cigar City and Oscar Blues to pair together. They're owned by the same collective group of whatever their ownership group is. They're basically on a line item for them. They're essentially the same thing. So why not sell them together? And it gives the added benefit of a little diversity to the buyer. So I kind of like that. Um, But do I think it's sustainable? Absolutely not. You're kind of outsourcing your own sustainability to another distributing company when you already have distributors and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I'm going to sell, sell, but I kind of like the idea and I hope that they figure out a better way to do it. So let, let me, let me present you with this scenario. You go to a total one, right? And you find you find this a Canarchy 12 pack, right? And there's four cans of each beer that I'm about to say. Dale's Pale Ale, Cigar City Highlight, and Perrin's Black. I don't even know what it is. All right, let's just do the other one here. Uh Hop Rising Double IPA, which I don't know what the fuck that is. So you're you're getting four cans of each of those three beers, right? Sure. What if you like Dale's Pale Ale, but not the other two? Then you Chances just buy are, a six pack of Dale's Pale Ale. Correct. Or if you just like the Highlight, you're just gonna buy a twelve pack, six pack of Highlight. So you're not buying this variety pack anymore if you like one of the beers. Sure. You only if, buy this variety pack again if you like two of the beers or okay, more. No. Or or if you align with the style, how many IPA drinkers would buy that variety pack? Somebody who doesn't I necessarily mean, know if they like High Lie or, or Dale's Pale Ale, which is essentially an IPA, and anybody who tells me it's not, fuck off. Um, <laughs> like it, the fact that it's called a Pale Ale is ridiculous to me. It's hoppier than half the IPAs on the market right now. Um, th- you know, if you don't like, I, or if you like IPAs and you're looking to try new beers, or you want to stock your fridge with IPAs for a cheap for the cheap way out rather than buying individual six packs or four packs or whatever else like that is an option for you i remember when sweetwater put out the tackle box ipa edition and they had 12 packs of all their ipas and pale ales and stuff that sold extremely well um people who align with a style will buy a pack of different beers in that style it's the same thing as a build your own six pack you know like people go to Publix or wherever that does a build your own six pack and they stock a six pack full of similarly styled beers that aren't necessarily all the same. Sure. Sure. But my thing is, is repeat purchasing of a variety pack like that. Never. Hardly. Yeah. You're going to buy it. Unless you let, unless you literally get blown away by all three beers in there, you're not going to buy it again. Unless the pricing makes sense. 
Right, and that's the only way I can see it ever working if the pricing works. Because let's say you like all three beers, you're getting four cans of each beer. Where if you you just buy a whole six pack, and you get all the same beer. Like, yeah, it has to be pricing, or else th that model I can't see that making any sense. In in a similar kind of wavelength, but applied to a different product, I feel the same way about those uh, hard seltzers uh, mix packs. You know the variety mm -hmm. packs and the yep. hard seltzers. Mm -hmm. I will, I will definitely buy one if I like three out of the four of the four flavors. I'll buy the variety pack over individual flavors. But if I only I'm like two yeah. of the four flavors, then I just don't buy that brand anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. So, so I buy like, one of the two. Right. So it's it's like that. So if I guess if they're doing these variety packs and say they're doing four different beers in them, maybe you got to make sure that you know you're putting in at least two or three good quality beers, because if you're not going to get to at least three beers that people like, you're not going to get repeat purchasing on them. Right. And that's, I'm, I'm curious to see how sales numbers uh, reflect mixed 12 packs like that. Maybe for another episode, we can, we can go I over am, that or I'm maybe talk to somebody. This, I'm opening up this fun beer. I just wanted to kind of give right, you a little toot toot on this. Cause this is another one that uh, Mike brought to me and it's from ellipsis brewing out of Orlando, Florida over by the airport. It is called, the fruit punch project. We're not going to get into the can labeling because we already <laughs> talked about it on this. <laughs> However, it is a, uh, a fruit punch, a fruit punch treated or flavored or, uh, I think it's something. a fruit punch flavored Berliner Berliner vice. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it is a fruit punch flavored Berliner vice. I just don't know if treated or flavored or I don't know, it's whatever is the right more terminology. It does look, it is bright red, like fruit punch. Oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, yeah, it looks like blood. Mm. Fun blood. Blood of the fun. The nose is good. Take a big old whiff. <laughs> he's, he's trying it now. That's actually fantastic. Ah, yeah. That's really Un good. Untapped rating, go. <laughs> uh, 4.25. 4.25? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's that has a has a small saltiness, a lot of fruit punch, like kind of cherry or whatever. I don't know what fruit punch flavor is. Cherry, I guess. Um, but it has that like fruit punchy flavor, and it has a, a just really nice, very soft, tart, little sour finish. Not overwhelming. No lockjaw. No vinegariness. Just very like soft and tart at the end, and a good sweet up front and a nice nose. Really cool color. Interesting. I like yeah. it. And it's uh 3.8%, so it's definitely uh oh, yeah. crushable. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm on That's board. That's one of my favorites from them. Yeah. I am on board. So the next moving on, uh the next full pint prediction for 2019 is RIP Brute IPAs. Uh I'm not even gonna go into it just because if you go if you guys don't know what brute a uh, brute IPA is, it's pretty much an IPA with uh champagne yeast so if you've had prosecco or um champ champagne or you know any it's it's super bubbly super carved fruit forward effervescent kind of like bubbly prosecco uh it's march and that's already dead yeah i was <laughs> since, i was dead. gonna say wait rest in peace brood ipas is a prediction when did that ever not when did those exist uh the end of last year from from like october of last year Last year till about New Year's. 
Listen, I'm, it's already dead. I'm pretty good at making some bold predictions on styles. If somebody even would have told me they were thinking about doing brood IPAs, I would have said, don't, they're already dead yeah. <laughs> before you even started making them. That's not why, why, why? So dumb. So yeah, dumb. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're dead. So don't worry about it. We're both buying on them being dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh effervescent bone dry, bone dry effervescent IPA that resembles a glass of champagne. Uh, touted as the anti-hazy IPA. It's just already dead. It's already um, dead. Their prediction, get us get us by at the IPA graveyard for better or worse. Brood IPA will lay next to the black, white, and red IPA. Oh, get oh. out of here. Black and red IPAs are both fantastic. Uh, yeah. They are dead, but they're fantastic styles. I'm, I know Jeff loves his red IPAs. And black IPAs. And black they're so like earthy. They're delicious. Yeah. Uh, next, next, uh, next prediction. I can't wait for Jeff to go on his. <laughs> on this one. Uh, hard root beer, hard seltzer. Uh, about three, about three years ago, not your father's root beer took the world by storm, but it was a storm that passed as quickly as it came, which we both predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a very eight. colorful rant, I predicted that very yeah, quickly. It's in our first ten episodes, we predicted it, it came true. Uh, not to get an already bigger head. Uh, I believe when the hard uh, root beer trend came, breweries wanted to capture the business of non-beer drinkers alongside the beer aficionado. Fast forward to 2018, and a similar yet different situation is happening. Breweries, again, are trying to capture the dollar of non-beer drinkers. This time, it utilizes tank space and keep cash flow steady in a stagnant market or a market with breweries that overextended themselves in a bullish market years prior. Prediction. Much like the hard root beer fat, hard seltzer is not the answer for picking up production slack. It will go away quickly. Fuck you, guy. Hard seltzers are here to stay. <laughs> I, uh, I'll let you go, and then I'll go. Uh, heart, uh, anything root beer flavored can go fuck off. That will always be a sell for me. Uh, root beer should just stay soda. Uh, and it's not even the best beer soda. Birch beer is actually better than root beer. But that's besides the point. Uh, heart seltzers are here to stay. They're low cal, low carb, uh, quote unquote health conscious. Uh, for health conscious people, they mix well with gin. Go fuck yourself if you don't agree. Unsubscribe to this show. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Listen, whoever and and not to, I'm not bashing. I'm not going to bash. I'm not going to go hardcore on bashing the full pint and whoever this writer is. However, I'm going to say that your predictions have been very short sighted so far throughout this article. Oh, Mister, shots fired, Mister uh, Publisher. What's your name? I don't I even know. Dan's block. It's what it was under. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, it's an opinion how, piece. How? 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 Can you not see the very, very obvious differences between the gimmick of a hard soda versus the longevity of hard seltzer? Because hard soda, like you just said, is not health conscious, is not low carb. It is full of 50 plus grams of sugar. It is uh, a fucking gimmick. That is a gimmick. That is like we've gone over this before. It's a t- you're you're attacking the non-beer drinker in such an obvious way. Yep. Hard seltzers are for liquor drinkers. They're for beer drinkers. They're for people who are health conscious. They're low carb, low calorie. They're just absolutely marketed better than hard root beer or hard sodas ever could be. They're not marketed towards women. They're not marketed towards non-drinkers. They're marketed towards beer people, men, uh, people who are active, people who are outside. 
that's they're marketed properly for a brand that's going to stick around and they actually check way more boxes than hard sodas ever could. Yep. Agreed. Um, so that prediction is ridiculous. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Definitely not in 2019. I think they're still the fastest growing segment in drinking. Yep. And they are. So, yep. so I'm doing haze. Thank God. Suck it. Yeah. Haze. Okay. So, so the fastest segment fastest growing segment in all of alcohol consumption is going to die this year. Okay. <laughs> Good prediction. <laughs> Good prediction. <laughs> I mean, hard seltzers. I mean, it, it, it is more alcohol than a Bud Light. It's lower carb. It's low sugar. It's, it is probably the best all-around alcoholic beverage on the market right now. Overall, obviously there's there's flavor differential and stuff, but this can do more than any other alcoholic beverage. Absolutely, and it can be a mixer. If you if you are an alcohol drinker, now you have a new mixer that adds that adds alcohol to your beverage. Yep. Not that so, that's the goal, but you know what I mean. Yep. So uh, the last prediction they have here is a shift back to bottle shops slash retailers uh, his prediction is uh while lining up for beer will not go away com- will not will not go completely go away that's so weird didn't that proofread this will not completely go away this generation of beer drinkers will grow up a little and begin buying beer at the store for their daily beer drinking purchases let me go back to what he actually said because i'm about to light this guy up uh, I, can't, that- I can't sell harder on that yeah, uh, while the haze craze and enjoyers of pastry stout has attracted new and younger beer drinkers, which is also false, uh, it has done so at the d- detriment to the retail scene. We are starting to notice that the current generation of people getting in line multiple times a week for cans of IPA is slightly dwindling. There are also so many great options available at every level of craft, so much so that if one is in in it for enjoyment of the beverage and not a money-making side hustle, that good beer can be gotten cheaper and easier at the store. Oh! Wow. Oh, my God. Has like, he never bought beer before? This, oh, my God. This is fucking insane. Wrong on every single level of that entire thing you just read. Yes. Not not one part uh, of that is right. Unless this has to be, like, humor. There's no way this ha- this is a serious... This has to be satire. No, this is a guy writing this thinking that this is real. For sure. Okay. I've been drinking crap here for almost 10 years. There's been one instance where the brewery was more expensive than retailers. And I had a whole 10-minute rant mm-hmm. on it on our episode of Dear Brewery Owners, Please Stop Doing. Hidden Springs in Tampa was charging $18 for a four-pack of a Berliner. Two weeks later, that same Berliner was sold at Total Wine, a retailer, for eleven ninety nine a four pack. Other than that one instance, it will always be and should always be cheaper to purchase your beer at the brewery that creates it. You go to a store for selection, but the three tier system, everyone needs to make their money. So at the retailer, the beer is at its most expensive for the six pack or 12 pack whatever it is a bar is a little bit different your Mm -hmm. bar is the beer is obviously more expensive because you're paying for the atmosphere sure to where why they're dying which is why yes correct 
So to say people are, are going to stop lining up at breweries to start going to the stores is the most idiotic statement I've heard this week. Wor- worst, worst, worst craft beer statement I've ever heard. Yeah. I hear a lot of stupid shit. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of them, at least this, this past week. Uh, you... Breweries is where it's at, people. Tap rooms Correct. is where it's at. Breweries is where it's at. We've talked about this. We just talked about this on a, a recent episode. I can't remember if it was the last episode or, or it was whatever. the last episode. Last episode. We just talked about this. This is the the shift is not going back to bottle shops or retailers. The shift is going so far away from bottle shops and retailers that those companies are all threatening to even keep their doors open. This prediction makes literally no sense. One, the only thing they offer, the only thing that a bottle shop or a retailer offers is like you said, selection. However, they offer selection at a higher cost and they also don't offer exclusivity, which is what people actually want. Right. And, and in a craft beer market where like this writer even said, the beer is good. A, a, a lot of the beer is good across the market. You can get good beer anywhere, more or less. People are choosing the exclusivity of going to the place where the beer is brewed and getting the beer there rather than getting the selection somewhere else and paying more for it because the experience is worse. Yep. So craft beer is about the experience. It's about the exclusivity. It's about trying the the product that is made where it's made. That's why we've seen people going to breweries way more than going to bottle shops or to retailers. I haven't been to a craft beer bar. And I say this every time we bring up this topic. I have not been to a craft beer bar, quote unquote, draft house or whatever in months I just went to a brewery yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is ridiculous that, that this guy even thinks that this prediction makes sense. My prediction was that a very popular tap, a tap house chain would be closed in five years. So (laughs) we're going in completely different directions. (laughs) And, and also look at the scoreboard because I'm looking like I might be right on that. So, so no ridiculous in all, in all senses. Yeah. And, and, if if you're a smart brewery owner, which I want to assume every single brewery owner is a smart owner, and I know, unfortunately I know the reality of that situation. But if you know you're brewing an Imperial German chocolate cupcake, for example, right? You're brewing an Imperial German chocolate or a fruit punch Berliner. You know, as an owner, if that's just gonna fucking sell, you should know that. Why would I send it out to retailers at a reduced price where I make less money? Or I sell it at my facility at a significantly higher margin and I make more money directly. Well, I pay my staff, all of it. It makes total sense to not distro beers that you know will sell. You distro right. beers that linger and sit. But here's the thing. I don't think that's what he was saying. I don't think he was I don't think he was saying you would get the same beer for a cheaper price. I think he was saying that drinkers are going to pass up the opportunity to get that beer in favor of going to a bottle shop to get cheaper, quote unquote, comparable beers is what I got out of what he wrote. And I think that that could not be more false. He goes, uh, the, 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 the first paragraph, he goes, uh, we are starting to notice that all the, that the current generation of, of people waiting in line multiple times a week for cans of IPA is slightly dwindling. I'm ta- I'm thinking he's talking about brewery releases. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, he says, sure. uh, uh, there are always, there's also so many great options available at every level so much so that if 
Uh, so much so if one is in it for the enjoyment of the beverage and not a money-making side hustle. So the interpretation I got is brewery releases that people go to and they resell the bottles uh, secondary. That's the vibe I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, that's case, right. In which case, you know, my point in saying a brewery is not that, right. Angry but Church. No, but then, German but then the next thing, that, then the next thing, and not in it for a money-making side hustle, that good beer can be gotten at a cheaper, cheaper price, easier at the store. They're not saying that this good beer. I got you. Yes. They're yes. saying that people Equal are going to, beer. people are going to forego waiting in line at angry chair to get german chocolate cupcakes out in favor of going to the store and getting breckenridge vanilla porter and that is not true i'm with you yes yes i'm with you yeah <laughs> just you're absolutely right. Right. not true no it is not true false because yep. of all the things i said before exclusivity for the social media generation of bragging on putting it on untapped for all the reasons of wanting to drink this amazing beer that i just drank i would wait in line for this beer I mean, you should want to wait in line for this beer. This beer is a lot of beer worth waiting in line for. Like, right. you, that's that's not going to change anytime soon. The only thing threatening it is breweries' own greediness and overpricing their bottle releases, which we've talked about before as well. Um, the the brewery releases need to get under control a little bit and 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 stop putting your ego into it and start producing the beer and selling it at what a normal cost would be so that there is a benefit to waiting in line to get your beer but other than that and and that and that's just going to be self-regulated that will come back into check when people do see the line starting to dwindle at their bottle releases they're going to say okay maybe we're charging too much so that's that's self-regulated that'll all come back into yeah. perspective or people will complain on social media about right that's all going to come back and yeah that's all going to come back into perspective but yeah but saying that that you think because the lines are getting smaller for these releases that that people are making a conscious decision to forego drinking amazing limited release beers in favor of drinking stuff that's available at a bottle shop is absolutely absurd yeah I mean, shit, I drove an hour and a half to Tampa to get that German chocolate cupcake shit. And I went with a car of three other people and we had a line. Well, it's like 400 you, people. Yeah. For that beer. There, yeah, 400. No, that line's gotten smaller, man. It used to be 700. Yeah. <laughs> like, I rolled. Come on. You guys can't see it. We both eye rolled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. It's, uh, it's it's just it's just ridiculous and it's somebody it's it, that's that's written by somebody who's never sat in a bottle share or never talked to craft beer enthusiasts and realize what they value and what that you know there's you're talking about the city of tampa right so or saint yep. pete the city of saint pete tamp greater tampa area in the greater tampa area and extend that out to any drivable distance so anywhere within say two hours Yep. So now you've got Orlando, you've got bits of the Panhandle, you've got all the way down to like almost the Fort Myers area, yep. Sarasota, um, for sure, Sarasota, yep. all of that within that range. How many craft beer enthusiasts do you think there are? <sighs> those people, those people will always line up for a beer that they think is going to be worth lining up for. Yep, that's not or have someone do it for them. Yep, that's not changing. It's not changing. Though. Yep, You're nope. talking about at least three of the biggest metropolitans in Florida. We're talking about one or one state, one city. Mm-hmm. Imagine any of these breweries down in Miami. Can you imagine how many people in my in the greater Miami area where you have Miami, Fort Lauderdale, parts of the Keys, uh, everything down there? If if Jay Wakefield makes a can release, do you how, do you think that that line's really ever going to be small? No, 
There's people driving down from Jacksonville to get a Wakefield bottles. Right. In Orlando. That's crazy. Yeah. So just the the, ridiculous prediction on all fronts. Just stupid. Stupid. And, you know, imagine, you know, Orlando is centrally located. So imagine that two hour uh, map that two hours. That's Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. All the way down, pretty much just above you. You're a little it's, more than two hours. It's Jacksonville, Gainesville, or uh, Tampa, Tampa, St. Pete, St. Pete. Yep. And up uh, and just above nothing, you. Nothing, not a lot south, but yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got all I mean, the things in in yeah all along the coast with me. Melbourne, Melbourne, mm-hmm. Vero, like all those places that. Well, that I mean, you even yeah. I mean, here. if you're talking about me, yeah. I mean, I I would say civil societies in your drivable range, and that's yep. that's the only one down here that you'd really come to. Yeah, and no judgment. <laughs> They're still the same. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. But ugh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, and, and it's yeah. I think I think they I think they hit a lot of no's than than yeses on this article here. But I'm, yeah, I'm a little disappointed because I really think like this is a good site for like what they're putting out. <laughs> and it's obviously a site about beer, so I would have thought they would have you know. A little less, uh, listen, a little less controversial all, predictions, I guess. All you need say. is the untapped and a brewery shirt, and you're pretty much a level three Cicerone. <laughs> <laughs> That's welcome uh, to the social media generation. Uh, welcome to craft beer, everybody. Uh, enjoy your lucky charm IPA, um, with the leprechaun on it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, as always, uh, be sure to check us out on all social media platforms and our website uh, at thebarpodcast.com. And uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Buy some shirts. Buy some shirts. That is still the only way to support the show for now. We uh, we are working on a limited run of glassware. Mm-hmm. And we'll be selling uh, once I have the time to uh, approve the proof. Of, of the glass where we'll be selling a limited run of, of glass will help raise some money for the show. Um, and then outside of that, our shirts, which are available on our Facebook and website at the bar podcast.com. Uh, as always, uh, feel free to listen to all of our episodes uh, for free on our website and on uh, podcasting platforms global. Again, if you guys have any topics or suggestions you guys want us to talk about on the show, uh, Email them to us, uh, leave a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter comment, or uh, fill out the comment form if you want to remain anonymous on our website on the bottom of the front page. And as always, until next time, I am Mike, that is Jeff, and we will see you guys at the bar. See you. Cheers. Yep.